Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Dave Anderson to the show. Dave spent over 10 years at Amazon, moving from a development manager to a technology director. During most of those years, Dave was a bar raiser and a member of the bar raiser core teams in multiple organizations to help direct how the bar raiser program would be run and grow. In early 2020, Dave took on the role of head of technology for Bezos Academy, where he spent over a year building their technology foundation. In addition to his corporate experience, Dave also writes regular articles on leadership, management, and interviewing, drawing from his personal insights and Amazon experience. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Tyler. Let's kick it off by going into a little bit more depth. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your career path at Amazon? Sure. I was hired out of the Midwest. I was a development manager for a few years before joining Amazon. I got really lucky with the recruiter giving me a lot of slack when doing my first interviews at Amazon. But I got hired as a level five development manager, which if you're not familiar, is like the beginning, like intro level uh, management role. I had a great time learning what what it was like to be at Amazon. Boy, those first six months, I actually uh, spent a lot of time sending messages back home saying, you won't believe like there's so many things I'm learning. You have to come out here to all my past coworkers at home. And so uh, I spent the first few years in payments, next few years in marketplace, sort of moving with a group of leaders from payments who moved to marketplace, which is something I've found at Amazon. You have these clusters of people moving around because they like each other and they like the leadership group that they have. Spent time in marketplace, went to Facebook for a bit, decided it wasn't for me, moved over to AWS, where the marketplace people had gone. But it turns out that AWS was more technical and less product than I liked. And so I ended up moving over to uh, devices and spent a number of years there on the uh, kids' product. Eventually, I left to go on a leave of absence, spent some time with family and uh, traveling the world before my daughter went to school for the first time, and then came back to Amazon, found a role in the games group, and was starting off there for a number of months. And then Bezos Academy reached out, and I ended up going over there. So that's been sort of my career arc. It's a unique career arc. Nobody else has done exactly what you did there, Dave. And you also touched on a few things that I think we'll get a little bit more into in this episode. You mentioned how you and some of your peers would come to an opportunity, but then you'd also move around. You saw some of this migration to different roles or different parts of the company where opportunity presented itself, at least for you and your interests and your skills. You also left Amazon and then you came back to Amazon, what we typically call a boomerang at Amazon. So you have that experience. And then you also had a number of different promotions. You came in as an L5 your first time at Amazon. And then I believe you're a director, which is an L8 at Amazon prior to going to Bezos Academy. And so I think a number of things that draw on this hire and develop the best leadership principle, both from your own first person perspective, going through that and experiencing those different transitions, as well as presumably, as we'll get into in what you helped others do as you became a manager and a leader and took on more senior roles and flex some of those different muscles and experiences, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. 
Maybe to start here, part of Amazon's hire and develop the best principle states that leaders develop leaders. What practices did you use to develop individual contributors into leaders and managers on your team and help them grow into those new responsibilities? Yeah, I think, well, leaders and managers are, I would say, different things, as in, I think we expect everyone to be a leader. And so, regardless of their interests in management, I think that everyone needs to be developed into a leader. And so, that's very different depending on the level of the person you're talking about. If you have a new college hire, leading for them is taking on a bigger role in a project. You know, the first project someone joins, you know, when they join out of college, it's very rare that someone is capable of doing a project on their own. They just, they do need handholding. Of course, they need handholding to, to figure out how to do a professional kind of development environment. But helping them get into a leadership position is about saying, here's aspects of this project you can do on your own. Here's someone who can guide you, uh, a mentor, a person to give you recommendations of the next steps to take and say, hey, you'll be in charge of talking to product management. Please write up the launch announcement when this feature goes out. And so that's the kind of like steps of giving responsibility. And I, I think that that's the core aspect in general of developing leadership is you model behavior, you give someone a chance to try to imitate that behavior you provide them guide rails to be able to say, here's something you did wrong, here's something you could do better, uh, a safety net so that big mistakes don't happen, you know, it doesn't fall on their lap when they drop the ball, because of course people will as they're developing skills, an opportunity to fail in a safe environment. And then as they become good at those skills, making sure that you give a step up next time. And so, you know, the first project as a college hire might be, here's a bug fix, roll it out yourself. Like this is totally yours get it into the build, get it you know, tested, et cetera, and then get it rolled out and added to the patch notes or something. But for a principal engineer, their version of this might be, hey, this time you need to go talk to the VPs and convince the VPs in these three other orgs that they should take this feature push from us. You know, We're making a code change in their code base. It's going to cause them a little bit of disruption. Let's go talk to them. You're in charge of talking this time. And so each time it, you know, it should make people feel uncomfortable and stretching them is a part of that kind of leadership growth. But when we're talking about management, that's a very different thing because management is, you're expected to lead, but the big thing I think is people leadership. And that comes down to how do you model the behavior for growing other leaders, uh, which is is sort of an expectation, certainly as you get to be a more experienced uh, employee, but it's a major part of the job as a manager. And it's, you know, monitor someone's career, give them advice, potentially manage people out, hiring, developing, like there's a long list of very specific manager skills. I mean, it's sort of like a software engineer might say, hey, I have uh, I have to learn how to design code, design interactions between different services. I need to be able to do code in various languages. I need to be able to do, you know, there's a list of skills. Managers have a similar list of skills. And so as you talk about someone who is an engineer or a designer or, a, you know, some other kind of role saying, I want to move into management, you have to start moving them in that direction of saying, hey, there's these, I don't know if there's a discrete list I could possibly come up with, but you know, there's 27 skills you're going to have to learn over the next year or two to be a decent manager. And so let's take some baby steps, start moving in that direction. Once you have, let's say the most important, like three of them down pat of like, you, I've seen you coach someone, you've given someone crisp feedback. A lot of times, you know, engineers sort of resist giving each other feedback because they'll say, hey, that's not my place to tell you that you suck. I just don't want to work with you. And so 
making them take those steps as a peer and or senior person, uh, and then working their way into uh, the very uncomfortable job of being a manager when you know you're not that good at it. And so the most common way I've, I've seen this done and done it repeatedly with with engineers is to say, hey, you're an experienced engineer. You want to move into management. So that the process will be on this project, you will be leading these, let's say, three college hires. You'll be by far the most experienced person on the team. This project is not all that hard. So you will coach them through building this process uh, or this product or this feature by yourself. I'm just going to, I'm only going to talk to you. You will talk to the college hires. They will effectively be reporting to you. And the thing that they aren't told is that if this goes well, they will be joining your team. And so you sort of walk them through it without an official role there. You know, the college hires are just told, Hey, work with this person, make sure, you know, I'm going to be meeting with you regularly on one-on-ones to make sure you're feeling okay with this. If the, uh, employee enjoys it, it goes well, they get good feedback from the college hires. I frequently would actually move someone into management relatively quickly, but with huge amounts of touch points with them and their team. And then so you just sort of, you start at the things that are urgent and important in terms of, hey, step one, you need to have good one-on-ones. Let's talk about what those mean. And you need to be able to give someone feedback. You need to listen to them. So we, we talk through how do you do that on Monday, we're going to have a project status report. Let's talk about how you give a status report to your peers. Here's the the steps involved in the information. And then it becomes sort of a continual process of as things are approaching, you're approaching like the yearly ratings and reviews period. You pull this person to the side beforehand and talk through how the process works, what's expected, what homework is required, how do they come across as someone who's doing the right thing for the people on their team. Because that's the biggest mistake you can make as a manager. I mean, like, forget a, a bad project status report because you didn't really know what was going on. Like, that doesn't hurt anyone. You just you're just a little embarrassed that you didn't cover your bases. But if you are a bad manager and therefore someone on your team doesn't get a promotion that they probably were due, that cycle is pretty terrible because you've hurt someone else's life. And so that's the thing that I think is is the most important is to ease someone into management while ensuring that their team is is treated well and, and doesn't have negative impact just because their manager is less experienced. I love, Dave, how proactive you apparently think about your role as developing managers on your team. Like it's, it's clear that you've obviously done this many times, but it's also clear that you put a lot of introspection and a lot of proactive touch points into that process. And one of the things that I just want to reiterate, because I think it's fantastic that you shared in, you know, I experienced this as well in my time at Amazon, where somebody will say, Hey, I really want to be a manager. I want to be become a people manager. Like I haven't before. And that's something that I want to get to or develop. And I think a lot of times in a lot of places in the world, you get promoted into that role and then you have to deliver, you have to learn on the fly. You know, in, in many cases, there's no looking back, right? Uh, other than kind of failing at the role. And I think what you touched on is not just unique to Amazon, but but something that Amazon certainly does intentionally, which is giving opportunities. And you did this as a manager, giving opportunities to those on your team to develop their management abilities before officially assuming that role. And I think it really ties into a concept that has come up before in the, the podcast of one-way and two-way door decisions. 
right? If you promote somebody before really knowing that they're ready for it, then you set them up with that title, that position, you know, they, they're seen in that organizational hierarchy. And it can be really embarrassing for that person and disruptive to the team to then have to move them somewhere else. If you figure out, hey, you know, a couple months into this, like they really hate managing oh, other people. And so giving them those opportunities proactively lets them test the waters and you as a manager helps coach them a little bit more informally to make sure that it is the right role. And certainly that plays in Amazon's promotion process as well, where you know you take on the responsibility, you show that you're performing at that level, and then you get promoted versus, hey, we'll take a chance on this person, we'll, we'll move them up a level and then hope that they can perform at that level. Yeah, it's, um, that's actually a really interesting point. And in when you're doing promotions... If you're moving someone from you know level five to level six, there's a couple you know uh, uh, like rumors of people who have had their levels taken away and been downgraded. But that's if assuming that 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 has I mean I've seen it happen. Um, assuming that has happened, it is such a rare and crazy experience to go through that it's not something you want to ever risk. And so there's a lot of reasons to be very very careful about promoting someone. Because you call them a principal, that means something. That really means something at Amazon. You you can walk into a room and say, I'm the principal of whatever else, and people have to listen. And if you don't deserve that title, that's very dangerous. But for roles, it's very, very undoable. It is so easy to move someone to manager and back. Like, frankly, it's not hard. You talk to HR and you change their job title. If they're on board and other people are on board, you just snap your fingers and, and they have a different job. And so, in fact, semi-breaking, uh, thankfully I'm not at Amazon, so I'm not worried too much about it, uh, sort of breaking with a little bit of the rules. We have re- like legitimately promised people is to say, you can try this new role. And it's not always just managers. Someone might say, I, I'm, I'm a designer, I want to try project management. If they have the support of their management team and their peers, we've said, you can try this. We will not manage you out. We will not give you a failing rating at Amazon. And you have a period of time you know, we give them a concrete set of time and say, you can try this out. We'll see what everyone thinks about it. We'll see how you like it. We'll give you the safe space to try it. If it works well, you will stay in this job. You'll be rated in this job. This will be your job from now on. If you don't like it or it's not working well, we will give you a chance to move back because you're performing. We're not going to move someone into management if they're a bad engineer. We're not going to move someone into a, a manager of product managers if they're not already a good product manager. And so... I've done this move before multiple times with people and said like, hey, if it doesn't work out, we're just going to move you back, assuming that you buy into it. And that is your escape route, allowing you to have this opportunity to explore something that you may or may not be good at, you may or may not like. And so whether or not it's made officially in the system, which I favor just making in the system because it's hard to respect the manager who goes to a meeting and their job title is software engineer. And so I always favored actually changing someone's title in Amazon systems and then moving them back if it wasn't working. And uh, I have also had multiple times where I've talked to someone and said, hey, you're not trending to get a good rating as a manager. You're not doing this terribly well. Uh, We should talk about what your job should really be here. If you want to try to stay a manager, you have to understand your job's at risk. Or you can move to the job of which we know you do quite well and you uh, move back. And so I think it's just really valuable to lean in on people like that. I think that's great. I think it speaks to your leadership as well. Uh, And I would just emphasize that even making that change, maybe a little bit more formally for those individuals, it sounds like you still did the pre-work of making sure that it was a reversible decision if needed, and that you had that conversation with that person saying, hey, we're going to try this. We're going to work on, you know, making this successful together. 
but yeah. if it doesn't, or if you realize it doesn't, there are other options. And, and so having that culture to, you know, feel safe failing if needed uh, and have the support to get into the right role, I think is key. One other thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago that I just want to touch on, it was a great distinction is between a leader and a manager. And I think that's really key because we talk about these 14 leadership principles all the time at Amazon. And it's helpful to remember that those leadership principles and when we talk about leaders, it applies to anybody at Am- and everybody at Amazon and you know, in any other organization where similar principles are applied. So to your point, you don't have to be a people manager to see yourself as a leader and to grow as a leader. And I think that's one of the empowering things at Amazon is that, you know, you don't have to take a management career path to grow and to be a leader and to make a big impact. Absolutely. I think that there are definitely, uh, there, there's some very specific things that are manager only. You know, you're, you're not usually going to give someone a rating at the end of the year and tell them what their raise is if you're not a manager. That's just part of the job. But I think there's a long list of things that people often associate with managers that are absolutely something that any employee can and should do. I know, in fact, I mean, I guess talking about the specifics of things like ratings, we sometimes have had discussions of like, does, you know, should this person be promoted or not? And especially if you talk about, I don't know, let's say a designer, you don't want to have only managers in the room. This should be the senior designers weighing in. You should have the designer principal in the room with the, perhaps the strongest voice saying, this person is of the next level. I am very convinced because this is my job and I know where the, you know what the expectations are for this role. And when you talk about someone, I don't know, performing, you know, whether it's performing well for promotion or not performing well, that is absolutely, you know, develop the best. You are supposed to weigh in on these things and have opinions and help people grow in any job role at Amazon. And so I think that there's a thing that a lot of people learn about Amazon, which is very exciting, is that you don't have to become a manager to make decisions to help influence things that leadership can be any kind of job. Exactly. And I think we've all seen those really strong principles and individual contributor leaders at Amazon that made a big impact that, you know, launched an important feature or program or product. I also want to touch on something else that I think we've addressed a little bit here, Dave, which is when we're talking about creating a safe space and helping those develop, you know, certainly it's clear that you have the best interest of, of those on your teams in mind and that you want them to succeed. But needless to say, not everybody will succeed in a role that they're given. And the hire and develop principle states that leaders take seriously their role in coaching others. So I'm curious to get your take on how you see your role in coaching those that maybe are not doing well or underperforming. I think that your role is to make sure that everyone is performing well in the job that they have or they are in a different job, preferably. It's a failure of everyone involved if someone can't stay at Amazon. And that can happen, I think, frequently if they're not being given the right opportunity to find out why they're failing, how they can do better, how to grow in the position that they're in or find the right role for them. And so there's a long list of things you can do when someone is not trending towards being awesome in their job. It could be that they're, you know, how recently were they hired? Sometimes someone, uh, for example, when you interview people a lot, not so much for software engineers, um, or actually, I guess for software engineers as well, if you're talking about like their experience. But we might interview someone as a product manager or a project manager or a, you know, there's a list of jobs that they're interviewing for. Some random team hires them into a role that may or may not be the one that they're most suited for. And so the, the first and easiest thing is if someone's not performing is like, what was their job history? What do they like doing? 
And are they actually in a role where they can be successful? I remember uh, hiring someone who had an expertise in a very specific tech area, and they were hired into a role that had absolutely nothing to do with it. And so I actually had a fight quite a bit to get them moved over because they weren't doing terribly well. And there was a lot of pushback. And I said, it's just not fair to expect them to do awesome. I mean, you, you hire someone who's, let's say, a, a, you know, a mobile developer, and you hire them onto a back-end development team. They don't care about it. They don't have the technology background. And you're expecting them to do, ter- you know, do really well. And so I think you have to make sure that people have an opportunity to show what they're good at. Because that's what we're hiring people for. We're not hiring them for the long list of things they're not bad at. We're hiring them for the thing that they're good at. And so once you've identified that this is the area that they should be good at, I think that your role as a coach, mentor, manager, like there's a long list of people who should be involved in this, but certainly the buck stops at the manager, is to say, like, why are they not doing well? And that's in large part about communication is saying, are we telling them exactly what they're not doing well? Is it clear to them why they're not doing it well? Do they agree they're not doing it well? And that that would be like the step one of discussing it with someone. Because if they recognize they're not doing well, then you can have a really good conversation around what is it preventing them? Is it ability? Is it interest? Is it focus? Is it family life? Is it time? Like there's there, there's a long list of reasons and you can try to fix it from there. If it's that they don't agree that they're not doing well, then I think there's a very different discussion of how do you value what they're doing? What are they doing? Why do they think it's good and you don't think it's good? What kind of feedback have you been getting and why are they getting that kind of feedback? And so there's this conversation you need to have of of setting the expectations, seeing if you're on the same page about performance and then making sure that they trust the, the interactions because this is all about going back and forth with someone about uh, one of the most uncomfortable things in life, which is what you're trying to do right now is not working terribly well and it matters to you and it matters to the people you're working up with. And so being able to have the conversation of, you know, hey, this very critical part of your life is not going terribly well. Let's try to fix this. And I'm your partner in this. I'm not your enemy. You know, as a manager, I'm not an unvested third party. I'm, I'm the person on your team who's trying to help you succeed. And uh, if you and the person you're working with believes that, then you can definitely make this work out. Very insightful, very thoughtful process that, that you go through. And I think that there's a lot of applications there that listeners could probably take and consider applying as well as they work with others on their teams. One of the things I, I would love to get a little bit more of your insights on, you mentioned that looking at somebody's work history, you can sometimes help determine if maybe they were just moved into something that didn't fit their superpowers the way that their past roles did, which is why their objective performance looked like it took a, a turn for the wrong I feel like, and this is speaking personally, that that's a little bit easier to do when somebody has had multiple roles within Amazon, you know, using Amazon as the example here, of course, uh, to, to see, okay, they did well in their ratings and their review and their, their former role, and, and now they're not. What happened? Is it a role fit? What are your thoughts on somebody that, that is newer to the company and maybe it is their first role at Amazon? You don't have that background history of their ratings or their prior roles. How do you determine whether it's a role fit or just a company culture? I mean, Amazon's a peculiar place to work, right? Like a fit with the overall culture of the company in those situations. Yeah. Well, some of this is about, again, frequent and very fast communication, partially the way that Amazon works. And I think a lot of companies work as well as if you've been failing for five or six months and then you have a conversation it's very hard to fix this at that point. 
you've been underperforming for so long, your management chain, your coworkers all see you as underperforming, assuming that this is obvious enough. It's not some kind of subtle, not doing well. Now you've dug yourself a hole. You want to prevent the hole from being dug. You know, so when someone picks up a shovel, you want to say, hold on a second. I, I see you have a shovel in your hand. I want to make sure that we're on the same page here. And so in my mind, like you should be in week two or three talking to someone saying, just as a side note, I noticed you took two days for that instead of one. How are you feeling? Are you feeling good? Like are your coworkers feeling good? Are you feeling good? Is your manager feeling good? Talking very frequently allows you to solve these problems long before they become an issue where it's serious. Like you, you want to have a conversation about performance before it's serious. I want to say in that meeting, the first meeting I've ever had with you, you said X. You could have said Y, which might have come across better. Just thought you should know. If you're having these kind of really frequently conversations, you should be able to pretty quickly identify if someone says, yeah, sorry, like that took me a little while than usual because I've always worked in C++ and this is Python and it's a language I'm not familiar with. And that gives you a really good clue of like, hmm, is this something you really, really want to learn? Or I know about this other team over here that happens to have that language. I can move you now. Amazon did fix the policy. We used to not be able to allow transfers when you first joined Amazon. Now we do. And one big reason that we allow transfers early is because you might land on a team that's not the one suited for you. That's, in fact, one of the first things I tell people who get hired at Amazon is try to decide very quickly if this is the right role for you and the right team, because there's a ton of different places. Deciding quickly that you belong somewhere else is much, much better than trying to beat good performance out of someone in the wrong role. You help create that safe space where there's that open dialogue and you've mentioned checking in early and often several different times in your examples here. I think assumptions are often the worst enemy to strong performance in this manager-employee dynamic. And so the open communication helps you stay on the same page and address those issues early and often and intentionally as needed. And that's where we're going to leave the conversation this week. Next week, be sure to tune in to the rest of the conversation with Dave. We'll hear about his experience as a member of Amazon's BarRaiser core team, what metrics, processes, and inputs he used to manage a BarRaiser program at scale, and his approach to setting up a BarRaiser program for Bezos Academy. Until next week, 